Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. In recent weeks, we've we spent time on this podcast series looking at different ways in which the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted various aspects of the law. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and pleased to be back with you again as we turn our attention today to another practice area as we bring in a trusted contributor from the family law group at Lavelle Law. Uh, Attorney Patty Levinson, who is a partner at the firm, is going to join us today, and we're going to talk about uh, the collaborative divorce process. We're going to talk about how it's been impacted here in 2020 and get some information from her. So, uh, Patty, it's been a while since you and I spoke. I'm glad to have you with me again today. Thanks for being here. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me again. I definitely appreciate the opportunity. A lot, a lot to talk about. We're going to we're going to focus today, as I said, on collaborative divorce. You and I have talked about it in the past, but since it's been a while, can you just give us a, a refresher on what collaborative divorce means? Sure. A collaborative divorce is a process by which two people who have pretty good communication skills with each other um, can go through a divorce without the involvement of the court. They maintain control, and they each have collaboratively trained attorneys, and the parties along with their attorneys discuss all issues necessary for a divorce through a series of four-way or sometimes more um, conferences, and they keep all matters out of court until the actual divorce date. Now, court is is needed to actually get the parties divorced. But they they agree not to litigate. They agree to be transparent and open. And everything is literally and figuratively on the table. And it's discussed and resolved to the parties' mutual satisfaction. And I'm going to ask you this question. I'll, I'll include two samples, but maybe you can direct me elsewhere as well. It, it, is the main difference from a you know what we would normally expect a litigated divorce to be that you know one it's it's just not in the court, and and two is it fair to say that um, these may be I don't want to say more pleasant experiences, but less contentious. And and if those are not the two top things, what else makes them different from a litigated divorce? Those are the two top things. Um, The parties stay out of court until the final appearance to get divorced. They cooperate with each other to reach agreements. Everything is done openly and transparently, and they maintain the control over their divorce as opposed to having a court dictate what has to be done next or what they would have to do if they don't reach an agreement or any one of a number of things. Mm -hmm. But they maintain control and a degree, a higher degree of confidentiality about their divorce. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, Now, 
we all have in our heads what the divorce process looks like. This this sounds somewhat unique. Is this um, a fairly rare instance? Are, are people choosing this more regularly, or is this something that just occurs once in a while? Um, people are choosing it more now than they have in the past, in my experience. I've been handling collaborative divorces for about 10 years. And I would say in the last year or two, the amount of clients that are interested in proceeding in this manner has definitely increased. I think it's just subject to the fact that there's not a lot known outside the legal community about mm-hmm. a, the collaborative divorce process. So people aren't aware of it. When they're looking to get divorced, they don't usually even know to ask about it. And you mentioned you've you've been doing this for a decade or so, and I also heard you say in, in one of your earlier answers a couple minutes ago that um, the process involves attorneys who are trained in collaborative divorce. So tell me about your role in, in this particular type of family law. Well, one of the requirements to be a collaborative divorce professional is to take mediation training, um, divorce mediation training, which tool that is used by the collaborative attorneys to help the parties reach agreement. The difference between using mediation skills in a collaborative divorce as opposed to just flat-out mediation is that mm-hmm. when, a, when a couple goes to mediation, they're going to a third-party neutral. In the collaborative divorce process, they each have their own collaboratively trained attorneys that are acting as advocates for them as opposed to a neutral party in a mediation who cannot advocate for either side. And I I bet we could talk a lot about this, but I'm just curious to ask you a quick question. In terms of that training, is that um, something that uh, you pick up along the way? Are there certain uh, organizations that provide this type of training? Where where did you get this uh, experience? There are organizations that provide um, the training. And you don't necessarily have to be a member of the organization to continue practicing collaboratively. You do need to be a member. Well, you can't actually be a member until you've gone through the training. Um, But you do need an organization. In Illinois, it's the Collaborative Law Institute of Illinois. As it so happens, I took my collaborative training in Wisconsin um, just because it was available there more, well, sooner than mm-hmm. it was in Illinois, and I wanted to do it. I was, I thought yeah. the whole idea was just so exciting that I wanted to get trained as quickly as I could. Yeah, well, there's a lot I'd like to talk about, but I know today we do want to focus a little bit about what's happening today because of COVID-19, and that's been our focus on recent discussions, and it's impacting a lot of things in law. Tell me what, what the impact, if any, has been on, on the collaborative divorce process. Well, probably in all the cases I have, the collaborative cases are the ones that are least affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, And that is because there is no court involvement. So nobody has to worry about 
filing something before the court. We handle our collaborative meetings now via Zoom or sometimes over the phone. And we've had similar results to what we see when we meet in person. So we just address areas that have to be addressed and we do it, you know, we can see each other. We're sometimes mm -hmm. able to go off into a, a meeting room um, and have a private conversation with our clients and then come back to the group. So it's actually, Zoom has actually been a very good tool in the collaborative process and hasn't really had much of an effect on the process during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, well, I'm, I'm talking today with Patty Levinson, a partner at Lavelle Law and someone who's been through extensive training, as we've heard, in collaborative divorce. Um, highly recognized for her experience in that area of family law, and you can learn more about that by visiting her profile at lavellelaw.com. Um, she is also uh, one, one of the people who hosted an informative webinar on divorce and family law uh, recently at Lavelle Law. And Patty, always great to talk to you. There's so much going on and, and appreciate the information. Um, we were talking about collaborative divorce. You said the impact has been, you know, somewhat minimal. But what, what about litigated divorces? I, I know, I think I've heard, you know, courts are, are closed in a lot of places. Have, have you seen uh, much more impact on that side of things? Litigated divorces have become much more difficult. The courts are technically open. But most of the courthouses at this point are working on very skeleton staff. Um, so there are not very many judges that are in the courthouse ready to hold hearings. So in a, in a litigated divorce, if there is a hearing, what happens is we have to, if somebody files a motion, say, for example, a motion for temporary support, um, the the person filing the motion would file it according to the administrative orders that are currently in place. The other side automatically has three weeks to respond to it. And then the initial filing party has seven days to reply. And then after that, all the papers are submitted to the judge and the judge makes a determination as to if a hearing is necessary. Um, the judge may decide to rule just based on the pleadings that were filed by both parties. The court may decide to have a Zoom hearing with the parties attending remotely, or the court may decide to wait until an in-person hearing can be scheduled. If that's what the judge wants, then that could put a huge delay into the case because there's no there there are very few um, hearings in person in courthouses right now that aren't related to criminal matters or orders of protection. So in a divorce. Everything's got to be done remotely, and sometimes it does take a long time to get something resolved. Well, going, going back to the collaborative process then, you said the only 
court activity is is at the end when it actually gets filed and, and approved, um, despite whatever process you might go through currently in a collaborative divorce, are you kind of finding that those are kind of hitting a wall at that point, or are those being able to get through pretty quickly? Those are actually getting through more smoothly than most other things at this point. Once a case is ready to be finalized, a divorce case is ready to be finalized, uh, the judge will schedule something called a prove-up. And after Mm -hmm. the collaborative process is over, we finish the process by signing various agreements, a marital settlement agreement, an allocation of parental responsibilities, All those papers will get forwarded to the judge, and then the judge will schedule a prove-up date based on his or her availability. And I'm finding that in most cases, we usually receive dates in about two weeks. There is one judge locally that takes a little longer, but, you know, it's all dependent on the judge's docket. But the whole process is relatively smooth. And um, once it's set up, it's, you know, started and finished in a matter of 10 or 15 minutes. Excellent. Well, I've got maybe just a minute left, but I I was just curious. You talked about the the process and the people involved. Are there other professionals involved in any way, other people that get involved, or is it strictly the attorneys and and the parties? Um, Depending on the case, there are other professionals we can bring into the collaborative process. We can bring in a divorce coach that will help the parties communicate with each other and kind of stay on point if they tend to wander off. Um, We can bring in a financial neutral who can assist in helping us find creative financial resolutions to some of their problems or can help one party get up to speed to understand the financial situation if they were not the person who handled the finances during the marriage. And we can also bring in a child specialist if there are certain issues with the children and the parents are having a difficult time coming up with a parenting schedule for each of them. So we can bring in those three different types of professionals, and they can just join in on a Zoom hearing, uh, excuse me, a Zoom conference, um, the same way the rest of the participants do. Well, uh, as always, very informative. My thanks, Patty Levinson, for being here today. You can reach her to get more information at 847-705-7555 or lavellelaw.com. Thanks to her. Thanks to you for listening.